0: welcome to the Speech Uncensored Podcast. This is your one-stop shop for all things related to the medical speech and language pathology world. I'm Leanne, and today we're going to be sitting down with Sydney and have ourselves a little chit-chat, just a little discussion. So um, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody, Sydney.
1: My name is Sydney. Um, I'm a speech therapist. Uh, I work in the settings of an acute hospital and then an inpatient rehab. Um, fun fact about me, Leanne, um, so my name is Sydney, and my full initials are SLP. Oh, I know, and I'm getting married this fall, and I'm, I'm really tempted not to take his last name, just for the ironic part of being SLP the SLP. That is beautiful. So, anyhow. I love that. Yeah. Man. Yeah? Would it at least change to, like, SLT,
0: because that's a thing overseas. I know, SLS.
1: Oh, okay. I know. <laughs> no, so not going to go with that. We'll just stick with the SLP, DSLP for now. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep, I've been working for three years, so um, have some expertise in kind of some specific areas of... Have Some specific tidbits of knowledge, but still have a lot to learn, and looking forward to kind of talking through this with you. I feel like if anyone
0: has ever worked in a... LTAC, they have a very specific set it's of knowledge. Very specific. Yes. Very specific. So, because I worked for five years, you've worked for three years. Mm-hmm. I think I made a comment on like a, like a teaser trailer I did for this podcast about how like everybody I have on this podcast has worked more than me, but that's not true. Not me. Yeah, yeah. not you. Yeah.
1: Are you feeling good?
0: No, I feel bad because you know, like so much more than me. I'm like, no. crap, I got to get on the ball. But I've never worked in an L tech. I've never worked with this population.
1: I'm sure if we talked about, I was gonna say you're you're more like an aphasia gal, aren't you? I mean, not really.
0: Like I'm outpatient, so I'm just I'm all over the board. Right. I get a lot of voice patients. Have you ever done voice therapy or voice evaluation? Not really. Like no. yeah, you'll do like a low key version. I've done of some it.
1: like LSVT for.
0: When you say LSVT, I think you mean like a modified version of LSVT. Done LSVT.
1: Are you certified? Yeah. Okay, I mean, up to. I haven't kept up with my certification, but I did do that. And oh, good yeah. for you. Yeah, well, dang. But yeah, you know. Good I'll do, job. I'll do, I'll do my pitch glides. <laughs> I'll, hold, I'll hold my seven to eight effort, you know.
0: All right, go <laughs> ahead. You know that means nothing to me because I am not LSVT oh, no. certified. Oh, don't no worry about But I mean, I know what a pitch glide is. Right. Okay.
1: Right. You are in the wrong podcast if you don't. <laughs> I'm like, when in doubt, pitch glide. (laughs) Can I get that on a shirt, (laughs) Sydney? I love
0: it. Please. Yes, that's my quote. In doubt, pitch glide it out. out. Pitch glide it out. Good deal. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've even introduced what the topic is. No, for this we podcast. haven't. We haven't. Shall you do the honors?
1: I would love to. What are um, we talking about? So today? again, with my very select subset of knowledge, um, we're going to talk about cough assist today and how you can use that for your patients with um, specifically difficulty managing secretions. Now, you're probably
0: not. Yeah, you're not going to be using this with every patient you have. Mm-mm. What no. kind of patient is appropriate for
1: cough assist? So obviously in an ltac a lot of ventilator tracheostomy patients mm-hmm. so um, it pretty much any patient that kind of has that respiratory distress pulmonary compromise it doesn't hurt if they also have a trach but really anybody can benefit from getting secretions up and out so this is also your severe dysphagia population oh okay so i've had it with like some pretty massive strokes who really poor secretion management, mm-hmm. some of these techniques can be helpful for, for sure.
0: Uh, would you do this with a patient who has COPD? That's just a random question that popped into my head.
1: Mm-hmm. That is a great question. Um, I wouldn't say that that would be the only indication. I don't think it's contraindicated.
0: Okay. Well, I just think because you know, if they've got bronchitis. Right. I got the bronchitis. That's a that's, meme or something. The black lung. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, no. Okay, uh, so you know they've got business up in their airway that they've gotta yeah.
1: clear. Yeah. I yes, but I guess I think of it more so where it's appropriate in our realm of it being oral pharyngeal. So upper respiratory. I'm sure they could benefit from it, but I'm thinking from our role and when it would be appropriate to utilize it with these patients. Mm-hmm. If I just had somebody who was having a hard trouble breathing, obviously I wouldn't be seeing that patient. Okay. Just to work on... <laughs> Clear or, or, from clearing, clearing, I precisely.
0: The lower respiratory. So
1: back. usually, from the perspective, <clears throat> what we've done it for has been when we're working on breath support for voice for a lot of our tracheostomy or ventilator patients. So if they're having a hard time managing their secretions, their pulmonary status is worse. Obviously, their lungs are filling up. Um, so if we can help them manage that, the idea is that they can get better diaphragm activation and essentially more breath support for speech. On the other hand, it's helpful for those severe dysphagia patients because if they are having those just secretions built up in the pharynx or even upper respiratory, we can at least help them clear it out. It's a lot of those times I'll hear from speech therapists, it's like, I have got a patient who is grossly aspirating everything based on their video, swallow, or fees. I don't feel safe really doing anything other than ice chips. This is something functional that you can work on. Okay. Yeah, we love functional. Yeah, girl. All
0: right, so then I'm thinking about head and neck cancer population Mm -hmm. who are severely dysphagic, like... Mm -hmm. uh, Radiation fibrosis has Mm -hmm. set in. It's Mm -hmm. almost like locked their larynx in place. Mm -hmm. It is not elevating Mm -hmm. or moving anteriorly Mm -hmm. for the swallow. Would cough assist perhaps help them clear mucus? Well, no, maybe they don't need to because maybe their cough is okay.
1: So. should think before I ask Well, no, that's a great (coughs) question because if they are having poor secretion management, the idea if they can cough at up is great so long as they have the oral control to expel it. So it would make me wonder kind of dependent on the patient. Like, if you're able to get it up from the pharynx, but it's just they don't have the control to get it out of their mouth.
0: So, like, are you thinking they don't have the control in their mouth because maybe they've had a glossectomy or a partial glossectomy? Right, right.
1: So maybe that they they aren't able to expectorate it. Sometimes those patients will use like a yonker to suck it out, like go further back, and if they can move it at least to like the back of, you know, the oral cavity and suction Mm -hmm. it out. But a lot of the times at home, they might not have access to a suction.
0: I'm glad you said that because
1: when you said a yonker, I'm like, so
0: these are patients only in a hospital? Yeah, sorry. That's
1: what I'm thinking of. So yeah, so a lot of the times, exactly. They're using a yonker to kind of help manage those oral secretions. But from a home perspective, it's great if you can at least mobilize them. But if you're not able to do anything with them... Once it gets to your
0: mouth... Right. You just lean forward and let gravity drop it into a spit cup that you have. You know, it's... That's I think it's, life. again, dependent on the patient. All right, let's get back on track. I asked some random questions that were not part of my outline. No, that was... I mean, that's a great question. <laughs> made me think about it. All right, so the purpose of the cough assist is literally to assist the person to generate and execute a strong, a,
1: cough. a strong enough cough to help either... Mobilize secretions in their lungs or get uh, secretions from the pharynx up and out so that they can expectorate. So, a successful cough assist is just like, well, do you see a productive cough like with
0: mucus? Or when you say secretions, does that include yeah. mucus or are you only talking about saliva?
1: Oh, I'm trying to get mucus out. Okay. You can get some real good gunk. You know, when I hear secretions, I always think of saliva first. What's right. your thought? I think of like tracheostomy secretions too. Just that which has re- always got mucus in yes, it. Yes, always has mucus in it. So, you know, especially a <laughs> lot, of those, lot of the patients that you're working with, do, they've got compromised lungs. They might have some pneumonia working in there, especially sometimes with a lot of those ventilator patients. Um, so yeah, it's usually got some some tinge, hmm. some yellow tinge. Some you hope they're clear. Tinge. You hope they're nice and healthy. But yeah, it's kind of a majority of. Things that I see are just big, globby mucus. A.K.A.
0: snot. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to say snot like like one time. Just one time. I'm good now. We can be professional now. All right. Uh, We talked a little bit about what kind of patient is ideal for cough assist. Really, Mm. um, are we sticking with the vented? Wait, are you doing this on a vent patient? Yes. Yeah, you can absolutely do it on a vent. Who's ideal? Trache, Somebody who's breathing on their own? With or without trache. I would
1: say someone who's pulmonarily, is that pulmonary? Pulmonarily. Pulmonarily. <laughs> uh, so has weakened pulmonary status and a bad swallow. Like, that is like the perfect person to use a cough assist with. Excellent. Which a lot of those things go hand-in-hand. If you have a poor pulmonary status, it's harder to coordinate your breathing and your swallowing, and then your swallow is impaired. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those, yeah, they go hand-in-hand. Perfect. How does one
0: use cough assist with a patient? So I want you to like step-by-step. Guide me through, like I'm your patient. Tell me how to do a. Oh wait, I guess you don't tell me how to do the cough assist if I'm your patient. You're doing it to me.
1: Yes, exactly. So I want to preface these techniques that I'm talking about. I want to give full credit where they're due. Um, I took a course with a bunch of PTOTs and other speech therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists. Gonna <laughs> clarify my abbreviations before we Thank go. Thank you. It's so important. Um, that this was a course taught at the first job I had. That it is from Mary. Masary. So a lot of the times, if for those of you who are unfamiliar with Mary Masary, she is a very well-known physical therapist who, um, this is like her bread and butter, is a lot cough of just respi- or respiratory status and making sure that people have diaphragmatic mm-hmm. support in order for, you know, for mobility. And part of that is cough assist and secretion management.
0: You know, I would have not thought that PTs would be so interested in Sorry, oh. I don't have words anymore. I can't say them correctly anymore. I didn't think that a physical therapist would be so mm. interested in how the respiratory system would affect. Anything yeah, and you don't think about it like that. The oxygenation in your blood.
1: Right. So a lot of what her uh, mentality is is those tracheostomy patients, especially if they don't have a speaking valve on, they have an open system. Which impacts their ability for their diaphragm to stabilize.
0: That's right, because okay, when you have that hole in your neck, yeah,
1: they talk about it like a pop can. Yes, like if the pop can is closed, generate the pressure, the pressure to stand up, maintain mobility, all that good stuff. I I don't want to so right. I know I don't want to sit there and pretend like I know much about physical therapy, but that's the idea. So essentially, any discipline can use these as far as if they're concerned from a pulmonary status that you know coughing, they're not able to get. Their secretions up, yada yada yada, um, might impact their ability, you know, with their to tolerate their speaking valve. They might need to do a cough assist as well. Um, but from our perspective, it's really to help with secretion management and swallowing. So, back to your question. Um, So, my personal favorite technique, and I'm even gonna model on you knowing that people can only hear our voices and not what I'm doing. So, I'm gonna try and explain it. Okay, good. Um, What you'll do is the patient, you'll try to have them seated nice and upright. Okay. So 90 degrees. 90 degrees. You're gonna place one hand kind of under the rib cage towards the side, so on both the left like and the kidney right
0: level, or kind of kidney I like, level. I feel like your hands are right above my hip bones. Okay.
1: okay. Is that, so is that I'm where I'm thinking you're going? More, I'm feeling more so kind There's of for the body rib cage, kind of the bottom of the rib cage. Just under my ribs. I'm thinking about pressing against your diaphragm here, so okay. I'm kind of finding where the diaphragm's at. So I want you to mm-hmm. cough for me, and while you do that. I'm going to simultaneously kind of push in and up. Okay,
0: so you want me to forcefully expel air from my lungs.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. A, or but
0: a you, cough. <laughs> you are like in front of me, but just slightly lean to the to side. The side. Exactly. Do you tell people
1: to like turn away from you to cough? I typically... But you can't because they have a hole in their exactly. neck. Exactly. This is... So why she says that is I'm leaning to the side because if something comes out of a trach or one of your severely, you know, your patients with severe dysphagia, there's probably gunk and you don't want it directly in your face. So that is exactly okay. why... I do that.
0: Also, I'm gonna turn my head like way yeah, to the you're other being side. So polite, thank I just, you. <laughs>
1: I don't want you to get my coffee breath.
0: Oh god. Yeah.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna cough and you're gonna forcefully push up, up and, into the diaphragm with almost a scooping technique. So you might be able to help me describe it better once you feel it. Okay, so, here we okay, go. I'm gonna cough now. Heimlich. It's very Heimlich, but it's meant to be kind of on the sides and then pushing upwards against the right. diaphragm. Where the
0: Heimlich, you're joining your hands together and you're doing like a rolling upward inward motion. Yes. For the cough assist, your hands are separated because mm-hmm. they're 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 almost cradling the rib cage. Right. And then it's uh, it's forceful pressure, but still gentle. Like, I was not worried about getting bruised by mm-hmm. any means or anything like that.
1: And, you know, something you have to take into consideration is some of these patients have peg tubes. So oh. you know exactly yeah. where that tube is, and you don't want to be going in and pushing against it. So even before I'll place my hands, I will, you know, obviously with their permission kind of lift up their shirt and see what I'm working with. Yeah. But if you have some patients who just had surgery or have something else going down in there, you kind of have to use your clinical judgment of whether or not you feel that it's appropriate. Um, So something else I like to kind of tag along with this, I like to use it in conjunction. Um, if anybody is familiar with an acapella or an aerobica, are you familiar with those two devices? I am familiar devices? with the
0: aerobica, but not the acapella.
1: Acapella, essentially, the exact same concept. So that's just actually a different company. Just a different company is kind of my understanding. So it's those flutter devices that the patients will breathe into.
0: No, the that's the exhale for the aerobica.
1: <sighs> yeah. Yeah, well that's yeah. exhaling. You said
0: breathe into. Oh wait, okay. Oh my gosh, so, I'm on board with uh, yeah, you.
1: Got, yeah, you, got, you know what I'm saying. So you're going yes. to, have, I want to say blow into instead of breathe into. You're right. I I mean, that you. makes sense. So you're going to blow into, and the idea <laughs> is that the devices break up any secretions. Yes. So the thought is you break them up, you get them nice and loose, and then old Sydney, the speech therapist, comes in with a cough assist and, and sees if we can get them up and out into your upper airway so that you can cough.
0: And expel the secretions. Expel the the secretions.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'm providing both kind of the forceful pressure against the diaphragm, but I'm also kind of stimulating the diaphragm at the same time to hopefully get kind of a deeper breath in between. So if you felt me kind of push and you came back, push. So it's kind of the thought is that you're stimulating the diaphragm for a bigger cough. Cool. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, I
0: just hope it makes sense for the listeners, because I got to experience the tactile right. sensation. right? So so it makes perfect sense to me, because I experienced it.
1: That, to me, has been the most effective and simple to use. And I feel like it's appropriate for a lot of patients, apart from, like, your, you've got a whole bunch of stuff going on in your abdomen. Um, but she also, I want to, again, plug her again. She has... Uh, a Can few, you spell her name? Because it sounded funky. I mean, funky Mary, in a yeah, good way. Yeah, Mary, very good way. <laughs> Mary spelled as expected. M A R Y, and then Masary is M A S S E R Y. See, I was thinking there was going to be Z's, Z's in there. Yeah, no, and Mary Masary. and apparently she is like the bread and butter in the PT. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but it's kind of my understanding. She's kind of a big deal. Kind of a big
0: deal. Kind of a big deal. Like, like if I went yeah. up to my PT tomorrow, it's so uh. Mm-hmm. I saw Mary Masary the other day. They'd be like, oh my gosh, no, you didn't. Did you? Did you get her autograph? Right. Would
1: it be like that? Essentially like that. Okay, good. Um, Yeah, that could only (laughs) be my expectation. Um, As far as explaining it from this context, I feel like that's the easiest one to describe, but would 100% recommend, even though it's geared toward PTs, I felt it completely beneficial as a speech therapist. I got so much out of it. It was awesome. Um, She also goes into quite a bit as far as... um, diaphragmatic breathing techniques Mm. so also very helpful for if you're working for breath support for speech so she really does provide a lot of great education that speech therapists can use
0: good now is that like where are they
1: like online webinars or are they in-person seminars mine was an in-person seminar because a lot of these techniques need to be practiced and demonstrated on other people for them to be effective total sense right um, there's one, if I can explain it, it's like where you have the patient lay on their side. I'm going to try it the best. And you almost cradle them where you press up. Um, I'm pressing on the upper back and then also down on the thigh. But and your
0: legs are bent at a roughly yes, 90 degree yes. angle. Yes, and I'm kind
1: of laying down and she like has them rock and then pushes like this, like like legs like, legs okay. to chest to help that expel that almost
0: looked like a very sideways crunch
1: yes like a, a sit up crunch right and that's essentially kind of what it looks like but it's, it's for okay. your bedridden patients who maybe can't sit up or don't have the trunk support to sit right upright so you can do it from bed level so they don't
0: have the abdominal
1: support to do that crunch. So you're kind of like forcing them. Literally kind of rocking them. And then you are actually providing that support on, on their, their back, back and on their leg and pushing. And squeezing them together. squeezing them quickly, simultaneously with a cough. With a cough. That's it. I feel like that would take a lot of coordination with oh, it patient. Does. It does. And so that's why. starts. <laughs> and a lot of confidence with bed mobility, which I don't necessarily feel like I have as a speech therapist. Preach to the choir, honey. So, I'm just like, saying.
0: I love it when I go go into a patient's room when I'm working in patient rehab, and they're like, oh, they just see me, and they think therapy, like, yeah. oh, i got to get up and leave the room or something, mm-hmm. and they're like, I just want to stay in bed, and I'm like, please it's your lucky day, I, <laughs> I am not moving please you, please don't get up, sir, please don't tell me you want to go to the bathroom, <laughs> please don't tell me you want to transfer to your chair, yeah. I'm going to have to call your nurse, yeah, I don't know,
1: I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> I don't know, but. Um. So, yes, definitely an area where I'm less confident. But, so that's why that, that one's always my go-to is I'll do some form of, like I said, the acapella or the aerobica or some form of secretion mobilizer if you have access to that at your facility. Very helpful. I learned
0: about mine from my respiratory therapist. Yes,
1: Talk to your respiratory therapist. Yes, They're very helpful people. They're knowledgeable. Yes. And then, so then you can go in. And a lot of the times, at least at our facility, they've got, already have that material in their room. So you can Mm -hmm. just go in and then add that in conjunction with your therapy. So before you
0: do a cough assist, you get them with uh, the... Aerobica, Mm -hmm. so they exhale through that a couple times. Mm -hmm. That little gentle fluttering thing helps break Mm -hmm. up some of the mucus, Mm -hmm.
1: and then you're like, "All right, now you cough, and I'm going to push push up." Exactly, push up on the sides, really targeting the diaphragm. A firm pressure, but I'm not trying to make you toss your cookies.
0: Right, and it's it's not like the Heimlich, like that forceful, like you're trying to dislodge. Food exactly. stuck in their throat it's just that upward motion made me think of how i've been taught how to do the heimlich in like my cpr courses mm-hmm. or whatever absolutely
1: okay. absolutely so it is it's that nice pressure and i i just it's so helpful for those patients who are like i don't even know where to start how do you help someone manage their secretions by helping them eject them apparently yeah yeah Because I, I, like I said, with some therapists who are less familiar with that, and even myself before taking this class, that feels like the ground zero. Really, how do you go up from that? So that really gave me a lot of confidence that to do something therapeutic and helpful and at least get the trajectory started to get them swallowing again. Did you
0: learn this? Yes, you learned this when you were at your LTAC. Yes. So how often did you use this? Like with every patient, every other patient, only when appropriate, once a week, like...
1: How, how often did you
0: implement this technique?
1: I would have about two patients on a 10-person caseload who might have been appropriate at any given time. At the LTAC? At the LTAC level. Okay. What yeah. about
0: now at your um, excessively large hospital? Very large <laughs> acute, hospital. Wide variety of complex patients. Have you used it since starting working there?
1: Yes, I have. I have used it more on the acute side. I also, because... Um, You see such a variety of patients, like maybe you have somebody who is intubated for two weeks and also is a liver transplant. Where that's probably
0: not going to be exactly.
1: I'm not going to be pushing on your diaphragm. So I do notice that there is more of kind of a variety of patient there, more of a variety of patients who are inappropriate. At the acute hospital. At the acute hospital. So I do have to pick and choose more. You have to be, number one, able to follow directions, alert enough, having difficulty with your swallow, um, able to participate as much as I can, and then also not have anything um, from the diaphragm down that I'm going to be you know, pushing on or irritating. Right. No <clears throat> um, <laughs> surgery sites. Exactly.
0: Yeah, because sometimes when I learn something new, suddenly everybody's appropriate. Yeah. yeah. I'm the hammer. Everybody's the nail. You're all getting the cough assist. Pony up friend. Yep. You're next. <laughs> but what yes. I'm hearing is like, yeah. even at your LTAC, mm-hmm. maybe two out of the 10. So like 20% yeah. of your patients. Yeah. Now, you know, if I'm hearing that, then I'd be like, well, then why would I invest in a very expensive in-person CEU experience for something I'll use
1: occasionally? Right. Fair. I guess at the Ltech level, you're right. I mean, 20% of my patients needed it. That seems more fair to me as opposed to something that at an acute level might be, you might be less inclined to. So if you are finding yourself um, working with some of those kind of complex pulmonary patients, I would absolutely say invest. But having one little tool in your pocket as far as a cough assist for those intermittent patients might be helpful. I agree.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, cause I'm just obsessed with my tool belt. Period. I want yeah. all the tools. It's like, were you ever in the brownies? Oh, I was in the brownies, except so. for my badges. Yeah, girl, I want all the badges. I'm, sure I'm badges. A badge fiend for sure, for sure. That's Jack just, of all well, trades. That's how I feel about the knowledge. I want all the knowledge. I want to know all the things. Mm-hmm. But also, the more I learn, the more I realize okay, don't want that knowledge, gonna focus on this knowledge. Mm-hmm. And for me, really, that big dividing line has basically been peds adults. Same. Same.
1: Just I, it, that's just a totally different realm
0: to me. It's I, massively different. I get that. I don't understand how SLPs can, can switch between the two settings. And those that do, I am just like my mind is blown. You literally have to coach switch like,
1: you yeah, it's I'm totally like do you have two game.
0: brains that you trade out on? Because there is no way my poor little brain could handle Mm-mm. all the knowledge that you have to be to, to have to be successful in both, both settings. Absolutely. So the people who do that, I'm like, Can I get your autograph? You're incredible.
1: So, that, that would be um, what I think for the average therapist who is working with adults, I feel like it's going to be probably your stroke population when you do get those severe strokes who are having difficulty managing their secretions. Um, probably the more commonplace population, I would say. Okay. Just for someone who's not in an LTAC, you know, you don't see vents or trachs as often. Mm-hmm. I was going to say it's probably going to be your strokes.
0: Okay. Your impaired strokes, yep. Um, when did you feel comfortable performing this modality on your own? So you're learning it mm-hmm. in a conference mm-hmm. or you know, what's a better word for it, Like in-person seminar? I yeah. I don't know.
1: It was a... Was it like one day? Three day. No. Oh, very days. Times, but three days and I believe it was three hours per session. So it was nine hours total. There was tons of hands-on experience. So I left that session and just... I. I Felt like I was very instilled with the knowledge to go forth with it. So when you were laying hands on your very first patient, yeah. you are like, I'm a cough assist. They I've already done this. this on 20 normals on all of my friends. Mm-hmm. Like, I have did this on every other speech therapist in the unit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Five times we've been, each.
1: We've been coughing all day over there in our, <laughs> in our office. So I, I, I did. I felt like the course itself gave me a lot of um, confidence to go forward with it. So... If you are going to do this or it sounds interesting to you and you want to pursue it, I highly recommend trying it on your very own Leanne before you try it on a patient. <laughs> That's right. She's ready
0: and willing. She's yeah. happy to be your hypothesis <laughs> dummy. Actually, I wonder if this was what one of my
1: PTs took and was telling me about. She was pretty jazzed. I, now literally I need to go back and came be like, out of that being like my world. Number one, it gave me so much of an appreciation for PTs, just because I do. I feel like I take what they do for granted. Oh, they just walk their patient. No, there is so much. And especially with your pulmonary patients, how many things they have to think about. So if anything, I got a fantastic appreciation for PTs, more than I already did. Um, And then also just how interdisciplinary we can make. I mean, the... Secretion management, we think about it for ourselves, but it really does impact Yeah, that's the only,
0: we're the only important discipline that needs to work on secretion management.
1: Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, everybody needs it for healthy lungs, so.
0: Yes. Hmm, what's my next question? Are there different styles of cough
1: assist? There are. So, I know kind of from the context that you were reading it. Was We talked about how there's the cough assist machine that respiratory therapists use. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew more about that. I know it literally helps assist your cough. It helps them get secretions out themselves. I'm not sure how it works, how often they use it. I would love to know more.
0: Okay.
1: Um, but I do, from my understanding, it's like for the really, really like copious, copious secretion patients have to use this. Um Also, usually in conjunction with a poor swallow, because they're obviously not managing any of their oral secretions as well, as well as what's going on in their lungs or whatever, Mm -hmm. infection or whatever is causing all the copious secretions. Um, And then, yeah, anything that we provide in addition to that. So, there's kind of the manual hands-on, and then there's the mechanical.
0: Are there other manual positions? Now, you gave me two. Mm -hmm. You did like the the cupping under my Mm -hmm. rib cage in the front. And then you demonstrate a kind of this sideways
1: tuck, crunch Thing. business. Yes, there is another one which I hope I am explaining this correctly. I feel like this one's also easier to verbalize. Um, so they recommend when you do, um, you do three breaths, in. And so <laughs> yes, in and out. Okay, <laughs> the whole cycle. So yes, the whole cycle three times. The breathing, the breaths are to help mobilize the secretion. So they say to take one big breath, one medium breath, one small breath, and then you're literally supposed to put your arms up like this, kind of. So I kind of look like I'm about to put my hands behind my head. They're not quite behind my head. So from your shoulder to your elbow is 90 degrees Mm -hmm. up. So it's like parallel
0: to the floor. And then from your elbow to your hand is, uh, like, behind
1: your ears. kind Close to my head. Kind of more so by my ears. By ears. And they, they literally call it a chicken wing. So I am going to almost crunch forward and you're going Inwards, to... Inwards, like I'm these, flapping my wings like wings. a chicken. So your elbows
0: are coming, are uh-huh. approximating together in front Thank of you. your oh, chest. Great,
1: great description.
0: Right? Absolutely. Can you believe Proxima- it? I'm so approximating. myself. Um, oh, and
1: while big coughing words. simultaneously. So, again, while I'm coughing, I'm going to be doing these chicken's arm, but it's, it's a big breath, medium-sized breath, small breath, and then, and then Chicken wings. <gasps> And
0: then three forceful exhales. With each exhale, your elbows are coming forward in front of yes. your chest forcefully yes.
1: and quickly. Yes. While simultaneously coughing or almost they explain it as like a huff. <laughs> like and that. And then when they do that, it's like things flying from the yes. mouth. Yes. Yeah, so the so idea. So have you set up anything in front of them to catch that hot mess that's coming out? I have never had it where it's like a spray or like a spew. It's more so. So the thought is that the the breaths are bringing the secretions up from the lower lungs. So, big, medium, small, cough, and that's what's supposed to bring it up.
0: Where'd you learn that? Was that a Mary that Masary? is a Mary
1: massery technique. That's awesome like i'm watching this is, it
0: this is yes it's the visualization everybody else is missing out hardcore on this <laughs> like yeah. seeing the chicken wing habit does she call it a chicken
1: wing it's i think it's the, the huff and chicken wing i don't want to don't quote me on that but they literally use she's trademark the term back chicken wing
0: trademark it yeah yeah the huff and chicken
1: wing yeah it sounds like a great barbecue dish right but
0: <laughs> yeah that's epic um so our, all right all right when they're doing those 3 forceful full huffs, mm-hmm. I'm still stuck on the, like, what's coming out, what's mm-hmm. happening at their mouth level.
1: So, if anything, my thought, uh, my experience has been that we're essentially getting secretions from the lungs up. So hopefully the idea is that they are able to cough and expectorate secretions from after the the chicken wing. So yeah, so the chicken wings is essentially bringing any upper respiratory. So I'm thinking like upper chest level up into the throat. (gasps) So now it's in their throat. Now it's in the throat. Now what do they do to get it out? Cough, suction, cough or suction. Okay, yeah, or even maybe 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 the other cough assist where we're kind of helping expectorate from the throat up and out.
0: Yeah, I don't wanna do any of this with patients. Girl, I don't yeah. want them coughing on me. I don't want their mucus mm-hmm. on me.
1: This is crazy. I know. Why do you think this is cool? It it's <laughs> just such a hands-on technique to help those patients who are at kind of like I said, that grand ground zero. I just it's the Those tools in your tool belt. There's three extra tools.
0: I know. Like at first I was like totally on board and then I'm like, but things are coming at me at high velocities. That's kind of the nature of the beast with your trach. Do you you ever like put a mask on and wear goggles when you're in there? Like I feel like I would need to like universal precaution the crap out of that.
1: Or like a Ghostbuster suit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Something close. But yeah, I mean, whatever you feel comfortable with. I know, you know, there's been times I've done oral cares or working with a tracheostomies that I'll put that that face guard on. So the mask, and I'm talking about the face, I'm talking about eye guard. Yes. That, is that what it's called? Thank the you. eye guard?
0: The clear eye guard? Like like something that you literally have to like rest on your head Thank and then you. it comes down in front of you. And it's like a clear plastic shield that protects
1: your whole Surgeon face. Surgeon style. You have access to those? No, not really. It's, where, where would you get so one when you're like, okay, you know what? I need some extra. Yeah. Sometimes in reception. the ICU, I've used. They've got those with literally the eye guard on on the masks. Nice. But um, again, uh, dive, duck, dodge. <laughs> <laughs> what we When all else what? fails, when all else fails, get out of my away. mantra <laughs> move. So kind of, I mean, think about, you're, you're protecting yourself in that moment. So make sure you're, you're out of harm's way. All right, good. Now that the
0: important things have been considered, like mm-hmm. Leanne's personal integrity. <laughs> yes, her pride. Can't be having other people's mucus on me. That would be sketchy. <laughs> gross. <laughs> it's gross. Oh, man. All right. All right, we did that. Now, I think we did that. What's next? Um, so tell me about how implementing the cough assist has aided in your patient's
1: progress with speech or swallow therapy or just their overall course in therapy I feel like it has been a fantastic starting point with the you know the improved you know we're improving their pulmonary status their ability to cough to manage their secretion so that there's this feeling with a lot of those patients that it, they feel kind of gross because they feel gunky and junky all yes, the time, and yes. they're having to use when you're in the acute setting the yonker to manage their secretions and kind is of takes suction. that away from it. yeah or suction suction those out. Um, right. Yonker and suction are the same thing, right? Yes, essentially. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, okay, go yeah. they use the yonker to suction. Um, so then what?
0: So then the yonker is the specific piece that you're like putting onto the suction tube that like right
1: so that's what can kind of go oral pharyngeally back into their mouth and they're able i think like it just puts a little bit more power into their hands as far as feeling clearer down below and then able to get their secretions up but i feel like it's always a fantastic starting spot if they're managing their secretions let's start with trials start some you know some ice chips to really get things moving in there
0: have you ever been working with a patient, you know, you go in, you're talking to them, and they just have that phlegmy, congested-sounding voice, mm-hmm. and you do your cough assist, mm-hmm. and then they start talking afterwards. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten, like, clear voice? Oh, have absolutely. Have like, boom, let's get that mucus out. I got you, boo. Cough assist you.
1: Oh, We're going to have chicken wing this out. Absolutely. I get that all the time, where they'll do... Even if you think it's just kind of, you know, that bubbling sound when you can just hear it and it's right down. That's when I'll go for, and you ask them to cough. Hey, can you clear your throat? And you get the (laughs) yes, yes. Right. So, seeing if that helps, I'm going to push on your diaphragm and I'm going to see if you can cough harder. Squeeze, cough. Big loogie comes out, suck it out. You know, if they're able to spit it out, that's awesome. But otherwise, sometimes I'll go in and manually with the the suction, oral pharyngeal suck, see if I can get it out. You can call it it a yonker. Call it a yonker, scoop it out. (laughs) Um, And then their voice clears. Wow. So really vocal quality too is huge.
0: Now, okay, so what about their vocal quality is just chill. It's like whatever, no big deal. It's not sending off any alarms. It's dry Mm -hmm. sounding, Mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh. And you're doing kind of your oral mech, so you always say, okay, give me that cough. And they cough, and it's that congested sound. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, let's see if we can clear that with the cough assist. And you do, and you're like, okay, now before we proceed, I want you to give me another little cough again. And they cough, has that congestion cleared, or do they still sound
1: congested again after that? I mean, it depends. Did they get anything up when they did that cough? Let's say they did. Okay, I have had it yes, where they do sound better. But there are times where sometimes like, I can't get it out. It's not there. You'd go and you try and section. It's not really there. Maybe it's just below the level of the vocal folds. You aren't able to section it out. I mean, it didn't go anywhere. So you can try again. Okay. So again, and I mean, if anything, you're kind of promoting that diaphragmatic breathing too. So hopefully, they're getting better air expansion or uh, diaphragm expansion the next time you do it.
0: Because one of my pet peeves when I go in for a clinical swallow evaluation is, you know, I'm doing my eval, I'm getting baseline information, and I'm like, okay, give me a cough. And it's a congested cough. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's going to sound congested later, too. Right. I'm not going to be able to differentiate. Right. What's due to trials? What's due to. Yes. Yeah. But you're saying if I um, do my certification or whatever, I get trained in cough assist, mm-hmm. I could potentially do a cough assist with that patient. Mm-hmm potentially then clear that airway, they have a clear cough after that. Mm -hmm. And then I would know going forward about their cough status at bedside. Yeah,
1: exactly. You can comment on their cough assist on your bedside swallow. And then also, if you're comfortable listening to lung sounds, you might even be able to comment on that. Like, you notice decreased uh, crackles or Do you listen? Um... In the uh, long-term care I did we were actually really did encouraged you have a after scope around your. Sometimes neck? I did if I was really concerned about a patient, I would do before and after listen to long sounds mm-hmm. um, especially if we were doing a whole meal. we would definitely listen to long sounds but um, that's a great question. I don't I can't say I necessarily could speak to the fact that like I listened to lung sounds before, did acophysis then did immediately after. I would like to assume that since you're getting actual phlegm and junk out, that the fact that it's no longer in their lungs, hypothetically, it would sound better. <laughs> right. Does that make sense? Yes. I would hope so. Uh-huh. I mean, it depends how much phlegm you got out and how much phlegm was in there to begin with. Yeah, all accurate. Yeah. True, true.
0: Um, now, we talked a little bit about this before, about some contraindications for using cough like basically any mm-hmm. abdominal surgeries. That's mm-hmm. going to be a big no. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. might be some other ones that you can think of?
1: Hmm. I can't really think of any. That's just what I found in practice. Um, oh, probably like uh, uh, rib fractures, things like that. Anything where kind of causing that deep breath is going to cause them any pain.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. Other than that, you're just helping them breathe and cough, which a lot of them are doing anyway. So, yeah. I'm Would thinking you- about your hand placement there, what kind of difficulties it might cause.
0: Yes. Good. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, is this a technique that every SLP who works with the trach and vent population should know? Do you think it should, like, definitely go
1: in their tool kit? Absolutely, I would agree with that. Okay. Especially if you're looking at dysphagia
0: mm-hmm. as well with those patients. I love how, like, solid you are on this and not wishy Yeah, wishy-washy. oh, for sure.
1: I just, I felt like this has been something. My brownie badge for this thing is, like, the gold shining star. I was really happy I did it. Out of all the education that you've taken, mm-hmm. all the things
0: that you've learned, mm-hmm. is this the best?
1: I would say, based on the settings that I've been in, what I've gotten from Passy Muir, mm-hmm. and then what I've gotten from this class have been the most beneficial for me. Dang.
0: Dang that's oh. high
1: praise, Mary. Yeah. It was right. awesome. I'm going to have to look into it. I don't work with
0: this population, but hey! Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah if anything, it's super interesting, too. Um,
0: would this we, you mentioned this a little bit. Would this technique be beneficial to patients outside the treatment population? You mentioned the stroke patient dysphagia. Yeah, for
1: the just our secretion management. Managers. So, and the idea is they have a poor swallow, and their cough or their pharyngeal muscles are too weak to manage the secretions up and out. So, if they've got a stronger cough to mobilize the secretions in the throat, that should help. Or Mm -hmm. if they're not following directions and their cued cough alone is not getting it done, if you come in with the kind of almost a tactile stim or cue to hopefully get them to have a better cough. But that would help as well.
0: Very nice. You're back. You're selling me on it again. I was like totally turned off with things flying at me. Okay. I'm coming right back you for guess, you. And Leanne. now I'm just like, yes, let's help these mm-hmm. people. You let's car do this. saleswoman over here. I'm going to lay hands and fix people. <laughs>
1: Good. Yay.
0: <laughs> Tell me about a researcher or a clinician that you've worked with um, who has had an impact on your practice.
1: I'm going to bring up one of my fellow employees. She's also, I believe, scheduled to be on your podcast later on. Her name is Lauren. Yeah, And she is someone that I have worked with in the inpatient rehab setting. And she is just loves her patients and works so hard every single day and always motivates me to be a better clinician, to come up with more creative ideas and to make sure everything I'm doing is as, as we all should do, is making sure our tasks are functional and related to that, you know, that patient's interests and their, their previous life roles. And I just think you should have her talk about that. She always just comes up with awesome ideas and has a great outlook yes. on on um I, like, totally I agree patients with that. And yes. Like, when I was sitting
0: down talking with her about, like, okay, you know, what are your interests? What do you want to talk about? Yeah i I was thinking the exact same thing, like I've totally picked up on that from her too. oh yeah how how she gets functional things for each of her patients in every makes single one. to them
1: in every single domain too. I She'll don't get the think. the apraxic yeah. you know i I'll give the example she had an apraxic chemical engineer and she was had had chemical engineering terms printed off to work on their you know just you know their apraxia therapy and yes, so that's just always motivates me to be better.
0: Alright, girl. Any parting thoughts, words of inspiration for SLPs out there fighting the good fight? Um
1: Oh goodness. Always on the spot.
0: Um so Don't act
1: like you didn't know this was coming. Oh I you know. read the outline. I know I did read the outline, the very long outline. <laughs> well, okay, fine. Um, no, it was it was very <laughs> thorough and important. Um
0: I so will take that feedback in and reduce the exactly amount of words I'm using in my outline.
1: So I, I just think don't share them. Here, here's, here's what I'm saying. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tag off of what you said. So if you've got, keep your flame ignited. So just like, love it. Try to find like what stokes your speech therapy fire. Like what keeps you going? Is it reading the articles? Is it going to the class outside of you know on your weekends? Is it having just that kind of off the cuff discussion? Like what is keeping you interested in what you do? Because. And stoke it, you baby. You can't you can't keep doing it if you don't love it. You can't yeah. you can't do the patient justice if you don't love what you're doing. So stoke you'll buy you.
0: I feel so seen right now. Good. I'm glad I'm here That
1: for was you. beautiful, Sydney. Thank you. You just pulled that out of
0: nowhere. Oh. I'm mad impressed. I know. The point of this podcast is to expose SLPs to new ideas, different techniques, things that might be under the radar, not very well known. And I think cough assist really is one of those things that really isn't on our radar very much. So I linked in the show notes to the two respiratory devices that Sydney talked about, the aerobica and the acapella, just if you want to know more about either of those devices. And also to Mary Masary's website in case you want to explore that option. So thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be about the 10 principles of neuroplasticity and how to apply them into your treatments. So thanks for listening and get out there and flourish and nourish and be awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye.